Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer. Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. And recording again today at the Expo Hall of the HR Technology Conference and Exhibition. Joining me here at the HR Tech Conference is Sarah White. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. How does technology help address a human issue like that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So one of the things we found in our research last year was only 17% of companies thought burnout was an issue at their organization. And when we actually asked individuals, you know, are you feeling burnt out? More than 51% actually reported being actively burnt out at that point. And when we looked at only HR people, it was actually over 63%. And so we have a major issue in, in the market. And I think one of the biggest things that we can do with technology is identify it. Sometimes we think about, oh, we have to solve it, we have to solve it. I mean, quite honestly, we just have to identify it and make sure that executives and organizations know that this is an issue to start with. And so we kind of were like, oh, there's an issue. We have to jump to step F. And I'm like, actually, we just need to get to B, right? We just have to be able to get to B and we from B to go to C, C to go to D. And so I think at the initial stage, we just have to be able to find and understand fully some of these human issues are issues and people want data. We need to have ability to back it up and show that it is actually an issue at our organization to get a business case to solve it, just like every other department has to get data business cases to go through. The other way that we're solving some of these human issues is actually we're bringing in more of the wellness technology. So tools that are not necessarily designed for um, the HR teams um, and, and going through, but they're actually designed for the employees. And there isn't necessarily a response that goes to HR at all other than some aggregate data of what's happening. The winner of Pitch Fest today uh, is actually a company called Spotlife that is looking at this whole person and letting people assess how are you doing in your real life? How are you doing at work? Like, what are three things that you're concerned with? And it's not necessarily even about the work, but they have been able to find with some of their clients that by helping them address some of these stressors and some of these other issues in their personal world, it does impact work and it makes them feel, um, you know, we have higher retention and all of these other factors when people are treated as a whole person. Um, and so, again, I think awareness at its core is probably the primary way right the second. It, it sounds like a very difficult thing to orchestrate an entire workforce with the right mix of full-timers and part-timers and, you know, gig workers and, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> well, I think uh, for me, I, I have a love-hate relationship with the term skills. I feel like it's become 2021 and 2022's AI term of the past. I think it's not necessarily even being used correctly by many of the vendors that are utilizing and many of the people that are talking about it. And I think at the end of the day, it isn't just skills where, you know, yes, we have skills gap. Yes, there's all of this. But our individuals at work are so much more than just their skills. And where the actual gap is, is understanding what that person not just has those direct skills, but also where their desires and passions of where they want to go and grow are as well. And if we don't look at those two combined, we're never going to have the success. And it's why a lot of skills development and skills programs are not working effectively. And we've been re-indexing the entire HR tech market 
more than 87 different categories, subcategories into three different segments. So the talent acquisition, the employee experience and talent management, and then workforce management and core. And one of the things that we found is the one thing that is consistent across all of them is actually talent mobility. And talent mobility, not in the way that we might have thought about it a few years ago where it was like a talent marketplace, but talent mobility in a way where people are able to go in and make sure that their skills, what they've gone through in their LMS, what they've gone through in their training, anything else is being identified and recognized, but also where their interests and desires and hopes and other things they would like to learn and skills that they personally are interested in are going to be able to be seen and heard and valued by an organization. And so I think we have to really broaden our conversation around what skills are and stop looking at them as just this really minute little piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. If we really want to do, at the end of the day, what we need to do, which is actually impact the business. We have to impact retention. We have to impact engagement. We have to impact all of these other areas that are business drivers. And we're not looking at the big picture. We keep coming down and looking at these single, one-off, tiny little conversations when it should be a much broader one. You just mentioned internal mobility, yes. which you know a few years ago was you know, up at the top of the hype chart. Yeah, succession planning. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do you think that that's just kind of moved itself into a, a place where internal mobility is just working in various ways at various companies? Um, yes and no. So succession planning is going to exist and continue to exist. It really is more about high potential identification, upper, like, senior levels, executive levels, um, and training people to move into those certain roles. That is 1% of the population, right? For the rest of everybody else, they were left kind of to defend for themselves. What a, internal mobility has really done and where it is moving is giving people a little bit of control over their own career. Um, so career pathing and, and some of these other areas, but it is not just looking at here's the next step I need to take or I need, it could be a supervisor and then I could be a lead and then I could be a manager and then a director but it's allowing them to look at where there's mobility laterally or in completely different areas. And where we're seeing the product shift is fully pulling in this contingent workforce that you mentioned. So people that are inside and outside the organization technically can be assessed and we have a true full understanding of the talent that is taking place. And beyond that, we can look and see then what skills we have available not just by our current employees, but also by those contingent workers that are spending their time within our organizations. From there, um, kind of the, the big mobility piece is not just being able to raise our hand, but identify what training we wanna do, what the next steps are, and even going down to volunteer to work on certain projects instead of a learning program. Like I wanna join this uh, project team or this something else that is going on within the organization to develop the skills in a very real way that isn't staring at a video. Do, do you think employees are um, after skills to the degree that no. vendors say they are? No. No. What, what do you think is the disconnect there? Um, there's a lot of money to talk about skills, right? And so you're going to hear it from... Now, somebody's probably going to cut this out, but um, <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> the the reality is, it's a buzzword at this point, and you know, if we can get enough media and we can get enough influencers and we get enough people talking about this thing, it's kind of like in Mean Girls, like we're trying to make fetch happen. 
um, you know, where at the end of the day, we have to get back to talking about the human and what the business issue is. If the business issue is that we're not able to find people that have the right talent, what our conversation needs to be is how are we developing people, not just looking at what skills, what skills, what skills. Because as a CEO of a company, I very rarely hire on a specific skill that is a hard skill that is like, you know, most of the hard skills can be trained and developed. It's the soft skills that are really hard. And a lot of the conversations I'm seeing around skills lately are definitely leaning much more towards those hard skills than the soft skills, um, which doesn't even align with when CEOs are surveyed, what they think is actually the main issues in their job. And I think there was a study came out a couple months ago that less than 20% of college graduates are actually ready to take on work. And it's because of the soft skills and communication skills, and they're not being taught this stuff at the college level. And that was the response of um, you know, CEOs, executives within organizations felt that. It makes you wonder whether or not employers will end up picking up a lot of that education. They are absolutely picking up a lot of that education. And, and then it's leaving, right? And it's why retention is becoming the deal, because we are doing a lot of education, and we're spending more money than ever on learning platforms and learning content and micro learning and all of these other areas but then we're not doing a really good job of mobilizing that education the mobility piece of it mobilizing those skills within our own place and so i think a lot of times when we talk about that there's a skills gap within our organizations it isn't that we actually have a skills gap it's that we don't understand and trust our employees and what their skills might be and so you know for instance you might have an employee finish a degree, right? They're, they finished their bachelor's degree. They finished an MBA. Well, they've been in customer service for, you know, five years as they worked there as they were going to school. Well, they finished the degree. The degree happens to be in design. They get to apply for a job internally uh, in design. A lot of times they're kicked out by that recruiter because they're not a designer, mm. right? And so they actually have to leave the company. There's a lot of people that would rather not leave their organizations but the way our entire mobility, the way our recruiting, the way our companies fundamentally have been traditionally set up actually discourages people from wanting to stay unless they're following a very traditional career ladder of this is my exact next step. And I'm not jumping projects, departments, um, approaches. I'm not trying to kind of expand out of where I'm at. And we know, especially with like millennials and Gen Z coming in, this is just not how they're going to focus and work. And so we have to update how we functionally work as a, as a world um, if we really want to address the skills gap. And we're, we're talking about putting a Band-Aid on a broken artery. Hmm. Um, can you think of anything going on in HR tech that is particularly exciting and, and on base or, you know, for you? <laughs> Um, that's something that looks really promising and that actually works. I, um, I'm geeking out over all of the like intelligence tech and I know everybody's going to be like, that's a total buzzword. It is kind of, but there is this entire layer of stuff that we've been dreaming about being able to do for the last 15 years. Like we've supplemented by doing, you know, analytics in our ATS or analytics in our talent management system. And we finally have these data lake and overlay layers where we can pull in all of this intelligence and all of the data from all of our different systems and all of our things. I mean, average company is going to have 30, 40 systems at this point within HR. 
And the companies that are doing this in a really advanced way are also pulling in external market data that's happening and then pulling in things from like their Salesforce and pulling in things from ERP solutions and, and uh, JIRA, right? Like we're pulling in information so we can do true workforce planning. We can understand our skills. We can understand everything that is going on in such a way where it's like, oh, okay, hey, we want to grow 20% year over year. Great. How do we do that? Well, according to this, if we want to grow here, based on where our sales are, we need to grow in this division and this division. And this location needs to add more people, but there's a shortage of talent in this from our external market labor data. And then it's going to take nine months to be able to hire these people our talent pool currently only has about 30% of the people. Our internal people, we have about 40% of those people, which means we have a gap of another 30% or 20%, right? And so the level of detail at a very executive, strategic business conversation level that we can do now blows away what we even dreamed about five years ago. Like I like super, super geeking out over this. Sarah, thanks so much for Thank you by. so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to People Tech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR Tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out HCMTechnologyReport.com. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.